starting by the way it's cool. conversational so um if anything comes up and you like want to ask me a question you can like okay. it's not just like me shooting questions yeah. at you cool. um we get to just like talk and yeah. that's like um tyler coined that phrase create co-creating conscious conversation well he's not here mm-hmm. so that you say it like that um well, not as cool as how i just said it but like those are the words so anyway to, so i should say as we're starting um Tyler's not here, and he's not here because he was supposed to be in Peru still, and I was going to do this podcast with you, Dylan, um, just solo, but then he surprised me and came home early yesterday, but he's not feeling well, so it's still me and you. Mm -hmm. This Um, is like our last chance, though, right? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. just exactly. And um, I'm glad we made it happen. I know. Here we are. So, um, okay, another thing, another way I want to introduce who you are, (laughs) give you a chance to say something, Um, but before... What I like to do when I start is, um, or I guess I haven't really done it much yet, but what I want to do is say where I am because eventually Tyler and I will be traveling a lot Mm -hmm. and like the podcast is called Journey Doses, so like journeys of all kinds, journey being, could be geographical too. So, okay, so we are in Santa Cruz at Dylan's apartment, which is really freaking cool by the way. Him and his girlfriend are super clean. I'm really jealous. Everything is like, how would you explain the style of your apartment? Like oh, the aesthetic. Um, like, I've been word? hearing, I've been hearing the the word. Oh, it's escaping me now. Um, it's this, I don't know, like '70s chic, okay. but like, but oh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't really know how to describe styles, honestly. Me neither. Like, yeah. um, even though I have a degree in design, I suck <laughs> at interior design. I really do. Like, it's like, in general, even graphic design, I think, in, I think like, for the most part, I'm not the best designer, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, when I see, like, a blank white service, I'm like, what do I do? I would say you have a very, like, m- modern minimalism with, like, a hint of, like, some 70s-ish. Like, you okay. got this cool lounge chair... You got just kind of like a hang vibe. Yeah. And I feel like that's where the 70s-ish comes in. Just like, like cool. Hang vibe. We're it's just, just cool. chilling. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the only the only words that I know for design are like modern or like <laughs> wood. <laughs> <laughs> and we have wood and it, I think we have modern. Yeah. What, so. is, what does boho mean? That's the word I was Bohemian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bo- it's boho for bohemian. Yeah. So like that could be kind of here too. A little boho. I feel like you can just say that for anything. Like, yeah. Oh, that's a little... That's like kind of like avant-garde yeah it's like boho sure (laughs) if anyone knows what they're actually talking about listen to this they're gonna laugh i will have to say i'm gonna judge you on your succulent picture i do think that's kind of lame yeah a little tacky yeah yeah i took that picture (laughs) (laughs) really oh well now that i know that you took it 
it's way cooler. I feel yeah. like that could easily look like a stock image. Like yeah. someone bought that black yeah, yeah. frame right. with that in it, which I've is actually that. more of a compliment to you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> maybe maybe what would be good is like your signature on the bottom right, like really subtly with some like gold metallic Sharpie, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I should work on my signature about 10,000 times before yeah. I do that because my handwriting oh. is simply horrendous. So maybe, maybe just like D B like. Just don't even get funky with it. Just don't even, yeah. Don't even bullshit it. But that might that I mean, or maybe a little placard on the bottom, like museum style, like Dylan Brody photographed in two thousand whatever. Yeah, I mean, I you know I'm cool with tacky. I'll take tacky. Okay, so (laughs) I'm glad I said something. Now I get to learn that that you took that photo. Yeah. Um. Cool. Okay. So I guess like we can just start by talking about how we know each other. So this is my friend Dylan Brody. Hi. <laughs> and um, I have the pleasure of getting to, I don't want to say interview, but like record conversation with people that I think are interesting. So I think you're interesting. I will take that compliment. <laughs> Received. Cool. Um, so we met, oh, we met like 10 years ago. Can you believe it? Almost, almost 10 years. So we started college 2011 this summer mm-hmm. yeah so like in like two or three months yeah 10 years i met you in like september october yeah yeah so, right away right yeah. away in the beginning because right. i knew i knew um david and you threw people knew david so anyway um and you want do you want to talk a little bit about like our history give give like a rundown like whatever comes to mind there's no right and wrong answer whatever you think is pertinent for the people to know I I don't know how to say it. <laughs> I came from I had braces all of high school. Let me just start with that. Okay. And I experienced a lot of rejection with women. And I also was led to believe that Um, or led myself to believe, however way you want to see it, maybe it's sort of bi-directional, that um, the attention from women is like the most important thing to receive. And that that is what defines my worth and my value and what would bring me happiness. It was essentially um, attention from women equals happiness, love, and worthiness. And I didn't get that a lot in middle school, high school, and going to college, I just, you know, a lot of people feel like they can renew themselves or, you know, you're like, oh, you move somewhere else. I can reinvent myself. And I very much felt that way in college. And I completely flipped a 180. I was a huge gamer in high school and didn't talk to girls, didn't go to parties, anything like that, not labeling those things as cool or not cool, bad or wrong or good, whatever. I just, I just didn't, I wasn't with that crowd. And so I joined a fraternity and I met Ashley at one of the rush events. We were playing poker. I remember it very specifically. We were smoking cigars. I don't know if Ashley was smoking a cigar, but I was trying my best to, and I think I was just soaking it with my saliva. I don't think that's um, how you do it? I don't think that's how you do it. We actually have a picture from that. We do. Which is really cool. Yeah. I was, I remember the, I was wearing a very sp- particular sweater. I remember like <laughs> the days that I meet, 
I remember the first day that I meet all my best friends. That's cool. I, I can't say I can do the same. With very vivid detail. Wow. Um, I remember exactly where you were sitting. You were two seats to the left. You're actually at the end of the table on the left. And David was on the right. And I remember thinking that Ashley was one of the most beautiful <laughs> people that I had ever seen Aww. like in my life. Aww, and thank you. <laughs> um and could you say a little more on that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want me to add? I'm just kidding. You want me to add? Um and and I remember just being completely awestruck and especially as someone who just didn't really get attention from women and often experienced a lot of rejection. You were very forthcoming. You were just kind of everyone I don't feel like you judged Hmm. people and you were just willing to have conversations and I didn't feel like you you didn't have this like arrogance about you because of like the way that you look which I think a lot of people who are attractive can um can carry that chip on their shoulder and maybe feel better than other people because of it Hmm. Uh, sometimes I don't know some people can maybe feel worse and but I remember David our mutual friend he's he's a riot and <laughs> he looks at me and he could tell that I'm like looking at Ashley and he's like I will never forget what he said he said you see her I can get you her you, oh. you want that I can get you that oh my god David <laughs> <laughs> which is just the most first of all oh. super misogynistic oh. and objectifying and and just not really considering. I mean, but we're we're You're 18. 18. I, was, I was 17. Yeah, I, I was mean, 17 you, do, you just old. do the best you can. It's yeah. fine. We're not gonna judge you. It's we're 10 years trying. ago. And I believed him with 100 <laughs> percent of how my did that work trust. Out? <laughs> and it led to me just kind of doing what I had done in the past, which was. Um, if I can try to symbolize it, putting all of my emotion into a messenger pigeon, an invisible thing, and try to send it out, you know, completely covertly, mm. and hoping that, like, my my desire would make someone like me. Oh. And so I really fell into this pattern of, like, just wanting Ashley to, like, like me. And wanting, yeah, wanting you to, like, notice me. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I wouldn't say that, it, you know, I, I think you're an amazing person. I truly do. I don't say that with, you know, to blow smoke up your, smoke up your butt. But, you know, that was, a, that was not a pattern that was unique to you. Yeah. I'd done that with a bunch of women before you. Mm-hmm. Um, it was your style. It was what you were familiar it with. It was what I knew. I just really... I latched on to the first woman that I thought, you know, who gave me any sort of attention at all. Yeah, and I gave you attention because I I think you're a great person. Obviously, we're still friends. So, like, I really, like, enjoyed your company. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, it's it's a long story, obviously. We've been friends for 10 years. Mm -hmm. We couldn't put that into an hour conversation. Yeah, yeah. But I think what I learned... Um, was that I, I value you as a friend and that what I wanted was something that I needed to find myself and the ultimate cliche of I needed to 
learn myself and love myself. And I was looking for that in other people. Yeah. Well, how, okay. So that's pretty wise to say. So at what point in time do you feel like you realized that? Because we're talking about, you know, us meeting 10 years ago and like, you know, how you were at the time and what you understand now. So at what point between then and now do you realize that? That you, like you were looking for love in other people, but now you've reframed it and you realize like you got to look for love within yourself. Honestly, I think I just moved on to the next person. Okay. Yeah. And I think that cycle continued for years. Yeah. Um, probably until I started dating my current partner. Because that's when I started to finally deal with my codependency. Because I was in a long-term committed relationship that had lasted longer than... You know, we've been together for almost five years now. Um, which Holy is shit. amazing because Woo! my longest relationship before Sid was probably about, I think Vicky and I were together for about eight months, mm-hmm. maybe, which is weird because it felt like a long relationship. Well, again, you were like younger, so at right. that time, that yeah, is pretty important. And you also were like kind of a perpetual dater. Like you would be like yeah. in a relationship and it wouldn't be long before you were like in another relationship. So not a lot of time in between to like do you. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting you say that because it always felt like I never had anyone. Even, you know, I was, it felt like eons between each relationship. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that's how, that's how much I placed in um, other people giving me the security, mm-hmm. the the um, the love, the affection, the attention, the the reinforcement, mm-hmm. the validation, um, you know, I've really mm-hmm. come to learn that I um, have been addicted to validation and and uh, affirmation from other people. You know, having difficulty being able to do that myself. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I'll say again, like, okay, so your relationship with Sydney and at some point you were sort of catapulted into realizing there was some codependency. Yeah. Can you speak? We might have to pause for a second. That's okay. Hey, Kev. Kev, Could we not, we're doing a podcast episode. Do you think you could pause on the laundry? We're only going to be an hour. keep it in there because you know that's life laundry Kevin roommates yeah you're right yeah you want you want you want him to keep doing it oh no 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 I don't want him to keep doing it I prefer okay. you ask but I'm not okay. gonna edit that part out okay cool all right <laughs> um okay so yeah so you ha- you realize you had codependency and you're like trying you're getting your love from other people like could you tell me a little bit more like is there like a moment it was there like a big breakup or like what was the moment that you realized, oh, I need to look inward for this. You, what was, is there a moment that you can associate with or like a phase of life or something you associate with where you realize you're externalizing those, those needs? I think that I was starting to become aware, not to quote, the way that people have been describing this pandemic, but I think it was kind of like a dimmer in a, a way. A dimmer? A dimmer. What like do you a mean? A dimmer, like a, a dimmer switch. Like a light. 
You're gonna, I can example the it. The people listening can't see, but he, he has a light dimmer. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, doing it, right? Wow. Yeah, so okay. I was like, it was like, so I started like, I started like here, uh-huh. and I'd say like that right there, like uh-huh. I just turn it on and uh-huh. it's lowest dimmer. Uh-huh. Like a, there was like a spark. Uh-huh. And I'd say that moment right there, that was when I first realized that I had, I guess we're just going to go here because there's no other way to describe it, but that's when I first realized I had an issue with, with pornography. Okay. Um, I, so the spark was that. The spark was that. Okay. Um, that was when I started to look inward. Okay. At what's you know what am I? What am I dealing with? Like what where where is my responsibility in this experience? Mm-hmm. A lot of you know to use I'm in to let the listeners know I'm in school to become a counselor, um, and there's some jargon involved with that. One of the one of the things that I like that I think is pretty digestible it's called the locus of control and some people have an external locus of control and some people have an internal locus of control the external is when the world happens to us Mm -hmm. Um, you know I I was born into this family therefore you know I've been denied this sort of access in, in the world or you know my coworkers treat me this sort of way and they're keeping, they're gatekeeping me from my happiness mm-hmm. or my partner, you know, my partner isn't doing the right thing for, you know, and I'm not getting what I need. And that's the external locus of control, okay. the external circumstances. Um, and then the internal locus of control is realizing what is my part in this? How am I contributing to, um, my life situation? Yeah. And, you know, knowing that both are factors, we can't deny. Yeah. We can't just deny one or the other. Like yeah. they're both. It's a, it's a, it's a cycle. I mean, like things happen outside of us and we process that one way or another and we deflect or, or we internalize or whatever we, wherever we go from there. So it's a cycle. You need both. Mm-hmm. So, um, would it be like to understand it more? You're like in this relationship you've been in, I think you were dating Sydney for, at least a year or two. Oh, well, if you want me to kind of tie it together. Okay, yeah. Because um, I'm thinking you're bringing up porn as, like, the spark. Right. And I'm thinking you were in a relationship, and so maybe, like, your infatuation, I'm putting that word out there, uh, with porn at the time mm-hmm. maybe was causing struggle in the relationship. No, so this no. was not when I was dating. So oh, okay. This was when it. I was 19, actually. Oh, okay. And I um, had a a hookup in which I thought the the woman was just absolutely gorgeous and I couldn't get an erection and oh. I was like I have a problem and so the process of um working on my problem led me to start looking inward and okay. saying what am I not taking responsibility for in my life okay and started allowing me to look in other areas and in dating my current partner, um, it's been a very loving, open, honest, and safe relationship. And sometimes in those kind of relationships, that's when we have to do the hardest work. Yeah. And we actually ended up breaking up, my current partner and I, um, in summer of 2019. And... I just was completely broken. I'd never been, I'd never been broken up with before. I was always the one to end the relationship. Mm-hmm. And I read this book called The Mastery of Love. 
by Don Miguel Ruiz um, about three times in a row and you know talk to everyone I know about love and affection and validation and and that's when it started to go like this. <laughs> the dimmer, the dimmer's coming up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it wasn't that fast. I kind of like I had a I had a better plan yeah. to like describe the story, and, you know. But so yeah, I like the metaphor of the dimmer because the way um, and I'll I'm gonna put it in my own words. You can tell me if I'm like on track with what you're thinking. But basically, like, um, there's a spark. You realize something is a certain way. Mm-hmm. You're just you become aware all of a sudden for some reason. And you don't just flip 180. Like, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think it's common that people just be like, oh, that's a problem. Okay, I'm going to be different. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a constant awareness. It's like, a, it, so you're like explaining it like the dimmer's slowly coming up and like this, I would say the dimmer slowly comes up and up by experiences like what you were just explaining with this book and the people you're reaching out to. And it's like you're putting in the work and through that you're, slowly increasing your awareness of the situation so it's like and and that I believe is like the powerhouse behind change like change doesn't happen instantly it's like okay I'm aware of this challenge or this struggle or this problem and anytime like or I have this story about myself that I'm this shitty person and now that I realize like that I have this story that it's a story I'm making up about myself I'm going to become more aware of it as I increase my awareness of this story that I'm telling myself slowly I make a shift so it's like oh I have this thought I just realized I had a thought I was telling myself I'm really shitty like okay I'm recognizing that I have that thought like next time I have a thought like that I'm just going to make sure I'm aware of that thought. And mm-hmm. slowly, mm-hmm. you you change that thought to, like, I'm not shitty. This is just, like, a shitty situation. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's, like, a random example of, like, how I'm viewing the dimmer. Is like, mm-hmm. it, the light gets brighter because we are, are slowly becoming more and more aware. And it's just an organic thing. It just naturally happens over time. Like, you need time to become more and more aware. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And spoken like someone who you... You seem like you understand it to a certain degree and maybe you have experience with that um and i think we all too to a degree uh, something that comes to mind for me is you're really describing the recovery model of uh, healing of mental health of health is and, the recovery model like a jargon thing again in your, in your so there's there's when someone says i am in recovery mm-hmm. um oftentimes people think from drugs and alcohol they think someone um you know check themselves into rehab or were forced to go to rehab and then slowly rebuilt their life that's the pretty typical idea of you know i'm in recovery maybe i'm wrong i don't know is that what you have thought before but i I guess you go with what you're going with i'm on board cool (laughs) and um you know but then there's there's also the recovery of like there's 12 step there's a there's a program called 12 step which is like people in those say I am in 12-step recovery program. Um, there's also other kinds of recovery like smart recovery or um, insight recovery, which is Buddhist oriented. But I guess the you're right, it is a kind of jargon. Um, the recovery essentially means kind of what you were describing. It's a point in which, um, and maybe this point begins even before we're born, but there's a point in which we begin to 
form into who, you know, to that self-actualizing point of who is it that I want to be? What, what is it that brings me meaning in my life? What can I do about it? And what can't I do about it? And there's a serenity prayer, which is pretty common in recovery, which is, um, you know, some people are averse to the word God. You can also use higher power, greater power, um, nature, mother nature, the universe, whatever you want to call it. Um, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Mm. And I think that really encapsulates like that, that upward momentum of going from something that is painful and we feel like is all our fault or all someone else's fault to just gradually understanding ourselves and the world around us more and more to a point where we can suffer less, I guess. Mm. But that can't really happen if we can't be honest with ourselves. Yeah. So there's like so many different ways I could bounce off from that, but I want to feel like I'm kind of closing one chapter of of Dylan um, in terms of this conversation. I, like you kind of talk about the spark is realizing porn and you've had sexual experiences where it sounds like you realize like maybe your um, interest in porn was directly affecting your personal sexual experiences. Um, Where are you at now with your relationship with porn and like what would you say, like I'm curious, like your personal opinion or relationship with it and I'm also curious like what's what would you in your personal journey of of um, becoming familiar with pornography what would you share with other people like people who are afraid of porn people who have stigma around porn people who maybe or maybe they're on the opposite spectrum maybe they really love it and they haven't gone through a journey they haven't realized how it's affecting their their own um sexual experiences if it even is i'm just curious like what would you share like what would you expose i'm putting it in a lot of different ways to kind of Mm -hmm. spark thought for you but like what would you expose about it or what would you want people to understand Mm -hmm. so you and then and that yeah so for me personally i realized that it was something that I was turned to when I was um, stressed or in any way, stress can mean so many different things. Stress is essentially anything that enters the system that we react to. Um, and I was stressed through fear of failure, um, fear of rejection, actual rejection, actual fa- failure, worry, doubt, um, hunger, boredom, hangovers, physical pain, emotional pain. Um, it was always something that was there, uh, is unlimited, um, doesn't really seemingly affect the body and can be hidden. People don't really need to know about it. And it's something that I could always turn to and go to when I was experiencing suffering and pain. And the 
one of the brain's primary functions is to remove us from pain, is to take us away from pain. We put our hand over a hot stove and we, we jerk it away. Um, jerk it, I'm sorry. It's yeah, just like we a, jerk it, it was, away. It's it a good word for this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jerking it away. That's the, that's the motto. Um, and I'm really, I'm a really, it's just such a, it's so much bigger than me. I really feel like I can't put it into words and encompass the phenomenon that is, that is porn. And I don't want to sit here and, um, either proselytize it or demonize it. Yeah. It's, it's neither good nor bad. It just is. I think that, you know, there's certain ways that I would, I would hope people would consciously use porn. There's ethical porn out there where the producers, um, really respect the actors and everything is very highly consent based and conscious. And it sounds really kind of woo woo y like, 2021 like you know um patchouli-esque almost but patchouli porn patchouli porn now that's a website <laughs> that's what i'm looking patchouli for patchouliporn.com exactly that's gonna be the next uh <laughs> it's gonna be the next big one <laughs> but i really what i'm hearing and seeing in my studies in um the groups that i go to to talk about this with other people and in just in life in general is that um men and women and I guess that's a very heteronormative standpoint but I'm in a I'm in a heteronormative relationship I'm a you know straight with a woman um the disconnection is for me it was horrible I just didn't feel present with my partner when we were um having sex or making love or I felt like it was you know I was just trying to replicate what I experienced in porn I was trying to get out of um, the experience I wanted I wanted the, the the epitome of like life experience I wanted the ultimate you know the ultimate orgasm almost you know people really seek that through their fetishes and through their sexual experiences and you know they talk about it as a progression the very stereotypical idea of someone that has an issue with porn is oh they start with vanilla porn and then all of a sudden they're watching bestiality but it can look so much different than that maybe you enjoy you know maybe you enjoy um having vanilla sex when you're 16 and then you want to do like sex clubs when you're like 28 and do swinging and you know that might not be problems for certain people but if it's if it's something that you're chasing to constantly try to fill a void, um, then, you know, and that was what it was for me. And, and I think that, you know, when I, when I heard that, I remember hearing like people having issues with pornography when I was young and I was like, Oh, that's not me. No way. Um, I, you know, I could stop whenever I want and it's it's difficult because you know when you're when you're in it the the primary modes of being are denial rationalization and minimization Hmm. and and anyone listening to this um just i would ask you to listen to your thoughts and 
what part of you is trying to rationalize why my experience isn't yours and i'm not here to say that my experience is yours i really am not i just ask you to question and look at be curious be curious just have yeah. be curious about what are your reactions to what i'm saying yeah is it one of is it of judgment is it of that's not me or, or oh poor him mm. you know or um oh i understand this clearly i you know i don't need him to explain it to me yeah like, there's there's so many different ways that the mind can react, can react to someone that's suffering in that way but i realized that i was i was suffering and i was causing other people to suffer and i could point to something very tangible very tangible for me i knew i you know porn was obvious because i was you know had erectile dysfunction and i wasn't present in bed those were that was reason enough for me yeah i really love um I'm blanking on his name right now, but he's a, oh Gabor Mate. He's a he's a expert in addiction, and he talks about addiction being um, someone who is so hurt in their lives that they found a way to cope, the only way they knew how, and that it was you know fun for a while. And then it became a problem, and due to the negative negative consequences, um, you know, still not being able to stop. But you know, I'm not I'm not Gabor Mate, so I'm not gonna be able to say it <laughs> as well as him. But you know, I, I that's I guess that's my attempt at an answer. It's just so it's there's so much, there's it's so big, it's so much bigger than me. Yeah, well, I think your your attempt at an answer was beautiful, and um, just I mean where you were just at I wanted to acknowledge like and appreciate what you were saying in regards to like be curious and I think that um my projection onto human humanity and how we operate is like we're afraid to be curious because we're afraid of what we might find and um so then it kind of just stops there it doesn't go any further and there's a lot of power behind being curious and like yeah like you're saying like your story is not going to be someone else's story that that's not the case but but you are like offering you know whoever's listening to this the idea of like be curious like and and what I'm also hearing from what you're explaining is like understand your intention because your intention with something like for porn as an example has a lot to do with with your output and your use and um, you know we can label things as good and bad um, or healthy and unhealthy and you can label intentions that way but yeah just being curious and and recognizing like am I is my reaction defensive is my reaction judgmental and if it is what's underneath that and and um, sometimes we don't have an answer and the answer is I don't know and that's okay but that's just you know that's the start of your journey of of being curious and this applies to anything in life so I think like that message is like umbrella message for life do you agree yeah yeah be curious um I I am like so grateful for you being like um willing to talk about this category because I don't really know a lot about it um and but I think that 
there's a lot of stigma and I think that there's a lot to uncover and I'm just and I think that um you know it is very personal Mm -hmm. for you so I'm grateful for you talking about it and I think I'm gonna end it on a funny note because I well not the podcast but this topic we still going um end it on a funny note because that's how I am Tyler says I I deflect with humor (laughs) um but and then and then we'll talk about more stuff because you're so much more than just woke the one little scratch of the surface of Dylan um my funny note is like are you would you be willing to share like what your favorite porn is and if and if it's like if you don't maybe you know whatever you want to share and then I'll just say like uh, like I said I'm like not super familiar with porn and I was I am on my own journey trying to understand like my sexuality and my sensuality and understand what the difference of that is in general and what the difference that is for me and I don't really have answers I'm kind of in that I don't know phase for some of it mm-hmm. for some of it I'm learning too but um I was on a vacation recently in Florida by myself. I, well, I was there to see a friend and, and my brother, and I had a few days to myself in between. And um, I was, like, just really excited to just, like, do me. And I'm trying to drop out of my headspace because I'm an overthinker and drop more into my heart and do, like, what feels good. Like, what feels good in this moment? Well, what felt good in that moment was to do some masturbation. <laughs> so, I, which I am, like, not, like... I don't do like and and I'm learning about masturbation I'm reading this book called in the flow that talks about like hormones and um like the woman's infradian 28 day cycle and there's like I recommend that to any woman no matter where you're at if you take birth control or you don't like amazing book but it's talking about orgasm and like the benefits of it I'm realizing that there's like benefits and the benefits of masturbation and the benefits of being comfortable with your own sexuality and that masturbation is a tool for that and um and like just becoming aware of my of how uncomfortable I am to even hardly say that word um and so yeah I was like I had a few days to myself and I was like all right so I went to a store and I I bought myself a vibrator like I have some that have been gifted to me but I've never bought my own. Mm-hmm. And so it felt like a very powerful moment to, to just be like, it was also very overwhelming. There's like hundreds on the wall. I'm like, what? The, I don't know. The pink one? <laughs> the small pink one? I don't know. <laughs> she, and I actually asked the woman, I was like, I'm really overwhelmed. She's like, I had one in my hand. She's like, go with your gut. She's like, that's what you grabbed. Go with that. I'm like, oh, thank you. That's, Yes, you simplified everything for me. So I got it. Its name is Victoria. It's named for me. So it's a really good place to start. But anyway. Beautiful. Um, yeah, so anyway, the point of saying that is I bought a vibrator, and then I was by myself, testing it out. It works great. Um, but also I was like, maybe I'll try porn. I'm like by myself. I'm like, maybe I'll try porn. So I'm like, I don't know. I went to Pornhub because I don't know. Like I, I'm like, oh, yeah, conscious porn. Like maybe Pornhub isn't that that place but um it was really interesting where I was like I felt aroused and then there were certain videos that like I was like I don't like that like some videos where people are like acting mm-hmm. like and like they're like it, they're acting out like probably what some people's fantasies are but it was interesting just like you can't just click on anything and just be like aroused it's, and it's so the point is like even through talking about it with you right now I'm realizing like we are all different people like um what turns someone on and what doesn't and there's no right and wrong and um, I think it is valuable and however you want to do it to understand like what turns you on and, um, and what doesn't. And then you can bring that into the relationship you have with yourself and the relationship you might have with a partner. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so, anyway, I really enjoyed um, lesbians and threesomes. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> is there anything that you want to share about what your favorite, <laughs> or do you it, not want to go there? No, I mean, I, I you know, it, you've you've made me think, and. I would never in a million years ask myself that question because I'm trying to not use porn anymore. Okay. You know, I haven't, I haven't. So is there maybe some avoidance and like not allowing yourself to go uh, there? So I'd say that I'm very interested in the erotic. I'm very interested in what does healthy eroticism look like for me? Cool. Much like you. Cool. I want to explore that as well. Yeah. I think that we live in a very sexually repressed society. Oh, yeah. I don't think anyone would I think there's a lot of people that would agree with that. It seems like a, a no brainer. Oh yeah. Like, you know repressed from sex mm-hmm. um and some people's ideas of sexual liberation is you know have porn everywhere have a bunch of like orgies and you know fuck your friends and all that sort of thing and you know all power to you if that's what you want um but kind of like that the fundamental of like but don't ruin the experience for other people like how do you contain that how do you have a container for that yeah. or like you get to choose that yeah but you're not kind of forcing that choice on other people yeah uh that's the beside my cop out to the question cop is out, that for it. my f- what turns me on the most mm-hmm. what is the most erotic to me mm-hmm. is being very clear and concise with wants and needs mm-hmm. with my significant other. So like when you or when your partner says like go a little more to the left. Like don't waste your time a little more to the left. I think it can look like that. Yeah. I think it can also um, look like, you know, I could ask you, for example, like um, how how would it feel if I were to, um, you know, kiss you on the kiss you on the neck right now? And, you know, I'll, I'll put Sid in this position just, you know, for ease of reference. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I might ask Sid, like, how would it feel for you if I kissed you on the neck? And mm-hmm. she'd say, you know, it'd feel good. And I'd do that. Mm-hmm. And then kind of starting there and going from there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, maybe it would involve penis and vagina at some point. But it doesn't necessarily have to. Mm-hmm. What turns me on is feeling like in flow. And I think one of the ways that people can feel the most in flow is when they are aroused. Yeah. The erotic arousal um, is a heightened state of being. It's almost like, you know, people are so drawn to, um, I don't know, maybe work or sports or gaming or drugs because there's a certain point in which everything all the dots connect Mm -hmm. and you're just there you're just you're just in it and sometimes to get in it it's like it requires communication right it will and it requires a i think there's a i think there's something there's a there's a um um what is it the it's like a french term of like a je ne sais pas or something like i can't like you can't explain it 
Yeah. Um, that's not the right word, but it's, it's close to that. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have known. Yeah. I, it's amazing how Jim having Jim Ashley. <laughs> right. It's amazing how having a microphone in front of you just makes your brain go... Just forget about everything. All the words. We'll put it in the show notes. That's what they say, yeah, right? We'll put exactly. it in the show notes. <laughs> well, I recently did a lot of ketamine, so that okay. might be why I'm I, having memory issues. Is that a thing that you do? Uh, I, I was doing it. I did it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I did. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I was doing it. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Genuinely, I did six sessions. Of it. It oh, was, like it was for therapy. Uh, oh, an intentional therapeutic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. it's psychedelic therapy with someone who's like a licensed therapist. I did it at home. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, you're <laughs> studying it through. Do it was through um, the medical system. They, oh. It was during COVID, so you can't go to clinics like you normally would. So okay. Well, this is a great transition. Yeah. Let's go with it. Okay. One of my questions, <laughs> and we, <laughs> I want to talk about drugs. Yeah. Drug, drugs and sex and rock and roll, baby. Oh, um, fuck. <laughs> And also, you're wearing a fur jacket, so it couldn't jacket. be any more rock and roll. We need to get rid of this lavender. It's so not hardcore. Yeah, it's and it's a lavender candle, too. Did you notice that? No, I it's didn't. lavender on lavender. Oh, my God. Okay. Dying. All right. Um, okay, we haven't talked at all about, like, your career journey, and I, I have, like, curiosities and questions, so, like... Maybe we should do that, and then we'll wrap back to the drug thing. I don't know. I don't know what the right way to go is, but, like, tell us, like... Wherever we are right now is the right way to go. Hell yeah, brother. Okay, so then then maybe we go back. Okay, so you're you're in your master's program to become a counselor. Yeah. I say um, counselor. Uh, it's... Psychologist? Marriage and family therapist. Okay, that's the concentration, marriage and right. family. That's okay. where my license will end up being. Okay, so... My one of the questions I had, knowing that you're doing that, is, um, like in my world, I am very intrigued by alternate methods of healing, um, and methods and modalities, and you know, like like you're saying, you're using ketamine assisted therapy. That's like very curious to me. Meanwhile, you are well. I don't know how this how Santa Cruz's UC Santa Cruz's program is. Maybe it does have. Some like injections of alternate methods like but my judgment of like just being in a UC program is like it's very traditional like studies and if that's true or not you can tell me but my question really is like do you have any interest in bringing in alternate methods into your eventual practice so like it sounds like this is something you're personally doing is that something that you have an aspiration to do to provide Mm. as well before I answer that yeah. I just want to clarify yes. are you saying that I'm that I you, that I go to UCSC don't you no I don't oh no I don't go to UCSC where do you go I go to Pepperdine online <laughs> okay okay <laughs> good thing thank you yeah. well so it was, yeah. how was Pepperdine's program it's 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 great um Honestly, I don't really feel like that mattered a lot. I just no clarify. No, yeah. that friend, friend to friend. It. I was yeah. just curious. Yeah, sorry. Um, I just assumed because you? you're in Santa Cruz. How, how could you not know where so, I was going to school? <laughs> yeah, I mean, where is Pepperdine? It's in California. It's still. in Malibu. Okay. It's in Malibu. Yeah, but okay. it's all, my program's fully online. Okay. I didn't want to leave Santa Cruz. Got it. So I, I look for A fully only online. online programs. Okay. And uh, 
So is there... lucky me, you know, COVID happened and I didn't have to change You're one diddly squat it. of my lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah, I was already doing the online wow. thing. Amazing. So, yeah. Okay, so Pepperdine's program, like, is it pretty traditional? Like, are, do they, is there, like, interesting, like, alternate stuff, you know? And then, and personally, like, what's your interest in that? Yeah. I, you know, it, it covers a lot. Um, it covers everything from, like, Freudian, you know, most people, when they think psychology, they, they can understand the name Freud. Mm-hmm. Sigmund Somewhat, Freud. somewhat. I know, you know his first name is you know, Sigmund. E- Sigmund, <laughs> you have the ego, yeah. you have the subconscious. Uh-huh. Maybe some people know what the super ego is. I was going to just say super ego. Yeah, the super ego, that's great. Um, <laughs> so that's, you know, they cover that. Okay. That's the kind of the foundation of psychology. And then they also do, like, the behavioral, um, and then they go more into, like, um, you know, some of the more modern approaches, whether it's feminist or like narrative therapy. Oh, okay. Um, there's also, you know, the whole idea about family therapy is that we, we live in systems and you cannot just look at an individual. I can't just say, you know, if, you know, if you were experiencing depressive symptoms and you came into my office and you said, you know, I have depression and your parents are saying she has depression, like fix her. I'd be like, well, tell me, you know, what's, Let's look at the system of the family. Yeah. It's, it's anyway, that's, you know, that's stuff I study. They don't talk about alternate medicines, really. There are, you know, there are introductions of, like, mindfulness. Like, mindfulness is is now a pretty mainstream part of the uh, Western therapeutic approaches. Okay. Um, there's also... You know EMDR, which have you heard of that? It's not, oh, yes, but I don't know. It's really interesting. It's it's the whole idea is that you switch from your um, left brain to your right brain by looking to the right and the left as you talk about traumatic memories. Okay. And the whole idea behind that is that when we're looking to the left and looking to the right, um, it signals the brain that we're moving forward. And so when we experience trauma, we either fight, flight, freeze, or fawn none of that of which is moving forward so it's you know it's kind of like in the hypnosis category and that's something that we learn about interesting um but you know mention of of psychedelics or um you know reiki or or you know uh energy healing or or um certain types of meditation or ayahuasca or anything like that um they don't really go over in my program and that's been a lot of my own experimentation and mm-hmm. research uh, YouTube is just phenomenal <laughs> when you want to learn about anything I think that's like the Wikipedia of like of education yeah it's, a, it's yeah. an amazing resource yeah I agree um, it's interesting because like MDMA is going through FDA trials mm-hmm. isn't it significantly far along in FDA trials to yeah. become like legally used for medical you know medical assisted therapy but they oh, yeah. but this, your school still doesn't really doesn't talk about it it doesn't really no okay. not really well do you have a personal interest in it like where yeah, do you see absolutely. that do you see these sort of things being like in your practice someday yeah 100 percent. i would say with confidence that um drugs have made me a more insightful mindful aware conscious and self-actualized person even marijuana yeah, even marijuana has added to that. I would also say that um, drugs have also fueled my constantly seeking something outside of myself to fill um, to fill a void. Mm-hmm. So it's you know it's very. I appreciate 
the um, attention that the medical model gives to taking things seriously and having the right settings and yeah, trying set to, and setting. I, you know, I say medical model generalized, like we also contributed to a horrible opioid crisis. So it's like, do we really care that much about <laughs> <laughs> things going well? Um, <laughs> well, there's always money, right? Yeah. Um, money always has a, as a factor. Money finds a way. Yeah. Um, shit. I had like a thought in my head and it's totally gone. Um, what, what about you? What, what's your interest in like, why, why do you find these things fascinating? Like, what, you know, why? Fucking A, man. Thanks for the question. I don't know. Um, well, I, I, like, three years ago, I had, like, a big blow-up with a friend, and I, I kind of say that that was my spark, and then at the same time I met Tyler, who was already kind of in this holistic healing world and exposed to a lot of these things. Like, he had just right before I met him he had just come back from his first um ayahuasca retreat he did 21 days in the Peruvian Amazon like he he, he's the kind of person like if he's gonna do something he does it like I'm putting in quotations right Mm -hmm. the first time um so he goes all in but uh so yeah I just exposed from him but I've always been the kind of person that has wanted to always be like the best version of myself and I recognize now that a lot of my motivation of that comes from like a fearful place like I don't want to be in my 40s and and have some sort of regret resentment for the way I've lived a really valuable part of my life and so I've always wanted to like I've always been very aware and conscious like I want to be the best version and and the way I go about that's different so after I had this like big explosion with my friend I went into traditional therapy I say traditional just because talk therapy yeah talk therapy and did that for six months and that was like my my gateway that like that was where I started and um you know since then I've worked with um coaches that would classify more under like a holistic category um they're not like traditionally trained like the training or the degree that you're getting um trained in in different ways and um I just I've just experienced a lot of growth so I'm just like I'm into it I mean I've gone to Costa Rica for my own ayahuasca retreats um and I like I've partaken in some drugs like recreationally and I think that there's places and times where that's okay um but there's also a lot to be said for like that same drug can be used intentionally as a as a a way to heal and um uh there's just I just believe in like in what our earth has to offer and I believe that there's you know like in 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 plants that there is a lot of wisdom available to us and if we can um be in an environment a safe environment where there are like um where this this plant or this this modality is is protected in sort of a spiritual way because i think they can be used and abused and and that filters into your experience but um anyway it's just something i'm into i just believe that there's that there's a lot there and i think that there's also like there's a scientific aspect of like how it can create new neural pathways which can help us like realize our stories and reframe our stories like there is something scientific to it and and like it's about breaking down the stigma and it comes back to curiosity like if we if if humanity is like open to being like our western culture i should say because i feel like other parts of the world are a lot more open to these things but um like if we could just be curious and instead of being fearful um i like we're we're afraid of what 
some of these plant medicines can unlock because we don't want to be faced by our demons. Mm -hmm. We want to keep them in the shadow because it's easier in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it comes back to curiosity, but, um, I, I like to, I like to know what's in the shadow. I have, um, not really an obsession with it, but I'm very open and into it. I'm into that. What do you think makes people come to a place where they are willing to look at their shadow? The spark, you know, like that, like, you know, I think a lot of people say like, when something really bad happens to someone, okay, well, maybe this will be the moment that they realize, you know, it'll be their turning point, you know, it's like, we're kind of used to hearing that language. Um, and um, it's an interesting thing because we can't, you can't like have a great experience with something and then come back and tell your best friends and your family, I had a great experience with this, you should do it. Like these things, any sort of healing, however you want to do it, even if it's therapy, talk therapy, um, that, you know, we're more, 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 um, used to hearing about, you can't offer something to someone who doesn't, who's not asking for it. Um, what the fuck was your question? <laughs> how do you think that people come to the point? Oh yeah. How do, how do people get there? Yeah. Uh, I think some people need rock bottom and that's relative um, but some people hit rock bottom and still don't do anything. Some people need the support system. Some people need exposure. So, like, someone in their circle who has, who is on some sort of healing journey, who can expose them to tools and resources. Like, like I was. I was exposed to, to these tools and resources from Tyler. I wouldn't really know a lot about it if I didn't have him in my life. Um, so, exposure to, to, like, what's out there as ways to heal um i don't know like yeah you can't offer something to someone that's not asking so they it's their own journey that i don't know did they hit rock bottom i don't know so we have no control over it there's no control there's no control it's all determined oh yeah control is a <laughs> control is quite a thing if you think you have I don't, oh you mean like talking about like fate and stuff now and like destiny mm. and well how do we how do we control for how do we help those people that aren't at that point yet do we have any it's so hard it's so sovereignty or is it completely luck well i think exposure again like i think um i remember seeing this like graphic element where it's like um you know you're doing you like everyone like basically the graphic picture was like everything was gray or there was just a bunch of people standing in a crowd figures of people standing in a crowd and it was all gray and you are like yellow this is like you have you're shining your light and your light emits only so far and like and it kind of your light shines onto the people closest to you and that's organically just how like light grows like then that person's lit up and then they are on their own journey and their light shines on the people near them so um, like, and I've heard this term, like in, in, um, kind of a tribe of friends that I have where there's like beacons of light. There's just some people that are beacons of light and they shine really bright and they, they pull people in just naturally because of that. Um, and, um, you, we, we don't have control over other people. It's hard with like people that we really love, like our family members. Like if you see a family member that's really struggling, 
um, or friend or partner or something, like, we just don't have control over them. Like, we are not the, the thing that's going to make them change. We're not the catalyst. Like, their own desire for wherever that comes from is the catalyst. Like, they have to have some sort of awareness and that, and, and, um, I don't know, like, where, I don't know where the origin is. Do you have, th- you have I, thoughts on this? I do have thoughts. Tell me. I really enjoy hearing what you have to say mm-hmm. and the, I think the, um, the cognitive, the conscious, like, path that you're, that, that trail that you were going on is, it, it makes sense. It's just like, that's all, that's all we can really, that's all we can really go to, right? It's just like, it can become like cyclical and like, okay, like I can help them, but I also can't help them. I can, I have control, but I also don't have control. It's like this yin and yang, this like kind of push pull, like this cycle. And yeah. I think if there's anything I've learned from my own psychedelic journeys is that everything is kind of in that balance and that cycle. And just finished watching Star Wars, like all nine of the, you know, the main nine movies. And it's just like, holy shit, the force is real. <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing, light in the dark. There's life and death and you know, destruction and creation and yeah. all that beautiful stuff. And something that really draws me to plant medicines, especially ones um, such as um, mushrooms or uh, ayahuasca or anything like that, is that um, it can kind of almost synthesize a spark um mm-hmm. where the that like you said that the, the narrative the way in which we've always thought about our life and our surroundings and it's it's um we can we can develop these schemas these maps these patterns that are so um fundamental to everything we've always known that um it could never be anything different yeah. because that's what I've built. And it's a survival strategy that we've used to take care of ourselves and to move through the world. And these plant medicines just throw that whole map out the window. Yeah. And I mean, if you, I don't know ayahuasca personally, mm-hmm. but I can imagine it's a similar experience. Ayahuasca, I'll just say, like, quickly, ayahuasca is interesting because, like, I feel like with, like, with marijuana, with mushrooms, with MDMA or molly, like, um, with some of those, it's easy to, to explain to people what it's like. Like, MDMA is like, oh, I've never been on MDMA. Okay, well, you know, it, it's a heart opener. It makes you love everyone and everything, and you're, you like physical touch, and you just love. You just love, 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 and it's easy to describe. Ayahuasca is interesting because it's really a plant where that plant or that's the spirit of that plant is going to give you what it is that you need Mm -hmm. wherever you're at so it's a very very personal specific thing Mm -hmm. um side note in regards to ayahuasca that i find is interesting but i like what you said about like how it can how some of these plant medicines can synthesize a spark because i think that a lot of people get into these recreationally and they call like marijuana a gateway drug and they have it like with this negative connotation but like Gateway. The 90s call. Yeah. They want their statement back. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I think, like, there's, like, a positive twist on that. It's, like, it's a great gateway to understanding. And, and um, if, if that's where you started with, like, a joint and then now you're, you know, tripping on shrooms, um, 
it can synthesize that spark where like if you are open and willing to experience these things you're instead of being afraid of them they just naturally like they create these new pathways they destroy the map as you're explaining and and maybe that's where healing starts like it, it, it maybe it was like recreationally like hey i'm just tripping on mushrooms for fun and then um these plants are very powerful and there's a lot of history behind them and when it's your time and when you're ready to accept these messages and be aware of the messages that are being delivered to you you will just be aware like that message is there it's like um something that i'm getting into is just trying to have a faith in like the universe that whatever it is that i need is there for me like it's available uh, you know you can't just sit around and twiddle your thumbs but um just like if you're if you're tripping on mushrooms maybe you tripped on mushrooms 10 times and you're like i just have fun i just like seeing pink elephants well then that's okay that's that's where you're at and there's nothing wrong with that but there 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 could still be like messages um lessons to be learned in those and when you're ready to be aware of it you will be yeah beautiful have you ever seen pink elephants on no. anything no. have you seen any ever cool like hallucinations no Really? Yes. Yeah, I have. Tell me about like the coolest hallucination and what were you taking? I saw atoms, the like the actual atoms, like of, neurons like, and electrons. Yeah, I atoms. saw like the molecular part of life. It's amazing. Wow. Um, yeah, I was at Coachella. <laughs> <laughs> so stereotypical. I like thought that I thought that like like one cap equals one cap and one stem equals one stem. Not really thinking about like the size and like the, the mushroom I had was ginormous Ooh. and I took like a cap and a stem and it was like, it was a lot. It was a lot. And I laid on the floor and I saw life on a molecular level wow. and the music was really helping. It, was, it helped. <laughs> oh, it was great. Okay. So, so it was fun. a good experience. It was a great experience. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would say that part of it, um, ended up being bad, um, quote unquote bad when, yeah. when the, um, when the sun went down, it started to get cold. My body didn't really like that. Um, we were, when the sun was up, we were laying in shade in the middle of the field and that shade kind of like marked a zone that like other people couldn't stand in. But then once the sun went down, there was no shade and everything was shade. Um, and so we didn't have a box that let us. And so like people were starting to like walk really close to us um, and we didn't have like a, a safe shade space anymore. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, if you know, <laughs> you know, if you know, if you don't know, then go, go eat weird. some mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, so, what was your, what is like, do you have like one really bad trip? Like what's mm -hmm. the worst recently? Trip? Really? Yeah, oh, yeah, actually, on ketamine. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I, I only did ketamine once that I can think of off the top of my head, and I was just eating Skittles laughing for about 45 minutes. Nice. I, I did I did a... <laughs> I don't know that version of ketamine, because it's a, it's a party drug, and okay. you're supposed to, you know, snort it and, mm -hmm. you know, do a small amount mm -hmm. and, like, feel a certain kind of way. I did, I did like, the purposely go into a k-hole amount and oh. like floor yourself and oh. like not even be able to move your body that freaks me out um well there, i had to have my partner next to me okay. um yeah. as a safe kind of like she was basically protecting my body for two hours oh. and i you know even when you're sleeping your um your body is still looking out for danger mm -hmm. and would be able to get up and protect itself um the only times that we're not is when we're um, like unconscious or like we're in a coma or, you know, 
I don't know, in the hospital or, or something like DMT that. Or doing DMT. Or doing DMT. Like, yeah. Like, or if you're under, you know, the influence of something. Yeah. Like, you have, your body is not, it's like people die when they're really fucked up and they're, you know, lay down and they throw up and they swallow their puke. Yeah. It's like, if you can't protect your own body, like, yeah. it's just a weird place to be. Yeah. Um, but with ketamine, you're highly aware still of your surroundings okay. and of your the way that your body feels. And for me, the bad part came with this um, ultimate f- uh, loss of faith in all functions of the universe that make the universe work. Oh. So losing faith in my body, losing faith in our societal system, losing faith in the planet Earth, losing faith in... The universe, losing faith in like a loving, you know, greater power, higher power. How do you nature. come back from something like that? And so that, and exactly, I think that's where people can fear going to these places because yeah. they're like, oh, I don't want to lose my mind. I don't yeah. want to go insane. Yeah. Um, I think part of it has to do with experience. Like I've had a lot of psychedelic experiences yeah. in my life. Yeah. So you didn't just say like, wake up one day without any experience. So give me an okay hold. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I like I, I was I have been able to put together a mantra for myself in the past um, of knowing that this drug will go away, my sober mind will put things back together. So that was that was helpful to just be able to tell myself that. But, um, you know, bad trips are, they're bad. Like, they're just not fun. They're, they're uncomfortable. I'd say bad trips are more could be better described as uncomfortable. Yeah. It was very uncomfortable. Yeah. My body felt contorted. I felt like I was like a corkscrew. Like Oof. physically, I felt like my body was a corkscrew. Yikes. Um, yeah, loss of trust in everything, feeling like I can never trust anything again. And, you know, being in the studies that I'm in and learning what I'm learning about and, and, and in the, what I focus on a daily on a daily basis is really largely around narrative. And so knowing that, though it could be an uncomfortable and bad trip, it doesn't necessarily need to be destructive. In fact, it can be constructive. Yeah, enlightening, if you will. Right. So what what did that lighten up for you? So the narrative that I built around that um, was recognizing what was I doing before that trip. Um, I was rushing. I was falling into patterns of perfectionism. I had a paper, I had a, a test rather that day for class, a final, and I was worried about not doing well in the final. Um, I was kind of getting triggered um, on, you know, wanting to look at porn when I like, that's not something that I want to be doing anymore. And I had this like desire and I was also seeking affection for my partner. And then I went into this session I took the medicine and I was like, I remember saying, medicine, fix me. Mm. And so I wasn't respecting the process Mm. of being a human being and living. I was looking, again, going back to that external locus of control, I was looking for something outside of myself to relieve my pain and my suffering. And then honestly, what I hear from that, like if, if, and then you have so you're looking for relief outside of yourself you're externalizing your struggle Mm -hmm. and then you have this experience where everything outside of you is crumbling basically there's no you can't have faith in anything outside of you that's a that's like a really cool connection (laughs) it's almost like the medicine saying like 
here's if, if you continue to externalize and put your faith in everything outside of you rather than putting your faith within mm-hmm. you can't you can't trust any of it right. like it's all it, it will all crumble on you there's right. you you can't have a faith in any of this around you and like you can't even have a faith in me like me being ketamine like I, I can't fix your problems, right. but what I can do is show you this shit right here. But. Yeah. I mean, and like you said, you know, with ayahuasca, with mushrooms, LSD, it's like, you're not going to get the experience that you, you want. want. Like, you're going to get the experience you need. Yeah. And I I like to extrapolate that out to life. I think that's just a microcosm of our experience here as human beings on this planet. Yeah. We are not going to get the experience we want. We're going to get the experience we need. Yeah. Do you believe in reincarnation? Like that, we have multiple past, so many... past lives. Oh, um, maybe. Maybe. I don't, okay, that's I don't maybe. have a. I don't have a well. Yeah, maybe it's a fine place. Opinion on have it. you learned anything about? Or have you heard anything about Akashic records? No, I have no idea. Oh, okay, maybe you be. You might be curious uh, enough to like read into it. Just not saying like that that's your thing or not. But yeah. Um, well, I just recently got into astrology. Okay. That was something that I kind of poo pooed before. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then after learning about systems theory mm. and recognizing that we are individuals in a family system, mm. in a community, in a society, in a culture, in a um, you know, civilization. Stars are very much like that's that's just the next level. Yeah. Cool. You know? I like it. Yeah. Um I am called to share like I so I asked you like you know, kind of like a fun experience and like a not fun experience. Um, I have something that Please. is relevant to you. Yeah. Um, to in me. terms of in terms of marijuana. Um, oh. <laughs> do you know I think I'm, I know where this is going. On my twenty first birthday. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, it's it's probably not even as funny to listen to as it is to just for me because I experienced it. But right. basically, um, it's my twenty first. It's like okay, you're legally allowed to get drunk now, so like you're supposed to be fucked up from booze, which I did a little bit of. I had some tequila at my brunch and whatever, and I'm with some of my girlfriends, and we come over to your house and every like. I'm thinking I'm coming over to like be like, yo, best friend, like, what's up? It's my 21st. And just to kind of stop by. And everyone at the house is like weirdly chill. Like, I don't really know what's going on. And everyone's just kind of chilling. And my 21st birthday was also like right after my phase where I like, it was my like, if I ever had a stoner year, it was probably like, I was like 1920. So like, that was kind of my. That's the year. That's the year, yeah, right. Cause like then you can start drinking. But I never was super into going out and drinking. Like, I always preferred the stoner stuff instead but um anyway so i find out that you guys made weed brownies you made your own oil um and that's why like everyone was super high i was like oh okay and so i was like well let me just have like a tiny nibble like a tiny fucking nibble yeah i mean there was two pounds of hash made into (gasps) oil that went into one batch of brownies i mean I don't even, I can't, I can't really understand what that means because I've never made it, but I know, like, from my experience, I can tell you that that's fuck ton. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I just, I KO'd, we tried going, I had a little bit and we tried going to dinner and, like, the waitress at dinner was like, is she okay? And I'm, like, at the public bathroom, like, my head's falling onto the toilet seat. And my friend's like, don't do that. And I'm like, oh. And everyone's like, I think we got to get our food to go. And there's pictures of me looking really fucked up. And everyone's like, success! You know, 21st birthday. But really, I just, like, I had, like, the tiniest crumble of fucking marijuana <laughs> or weed brownie. Oh, my gosh. And uh, I woke up at, like, 11 p.m. in my bed. And, my like, I was by myself with the lights on, like, 
and they put me to bed and they left. <laughs> so anyways, like success. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily my worst weed experience, but like it was a success. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I locked my roommate out of our room at that point because I didn't want him to see me because I was so high and fucked up. And I called Michael's dad who was an EMT at one point and asked him if I was having a seizure. Are you talking about this, d- that this same day, day with these yeah, brownies? Yeah, those brownies. I had about one third of a brownie, so... I can't even <laughs> fucking imagine. Michael ate two. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to Michael? He said he was fine. Of course. I, I, I swear that kid has a... He is a... Um, An intolerance a of genetic a... switch uh-huh. in which he can ignore um, um, any sort of cosmic... <laughs> Uh, ha- ban hammer and just you know <laughs> avoid avoid the the chaos oh completely that's amazing by just like zoning out really yeah well you guys definitely seemed zoned out when I came by so that makes sense maybe because I was locked in the room um, I remember you looked I was showering and like you came in the bathroom and you're like are you like are you and I was like are you and we were both like it was like so weird because I was too high and you were too high and I don't remember that damn yeah. you know I don't remember a lot of things and sometimes I think what the fuck is the point of, of doing all these things if I don't remember them what is the point <laughs> well I guess you remember and it's funny so it serves someone okay so on the flip side now the flip side doesn't include you but I it's the flip side of something really cool with marijuana that happened like last year um, I had like, and I don't really have this, I don't really smoke or anything that often anymore. So it hits me a little harder and I had, I had an edible, which I actually prefer over other stuff now. Um, and I was having a good time and talk, I get very talkative. If you can imagine, I'm not talkative normally and then I feel more talkative or maybe I'm just insecure about how talkative I am. But anyway, having a good time and then we go to bed and it's like sometimes like if you're still in it, like going to bed is like not a good idea. And so I'm like going to bed and like everything's like, like I just like my brain cannot hang. It's just like everything is just like, and I'm like, and I'm like telling Tyler, I'm like, you can't go to bed. You can't fall asleep on me. I need you. Well, this all sounds bad, but what I'm explaining to you is my best trip. I actually ended up giving myself an orgasm with my mind. Holy shit. And I didn't tell Tyler, like, I'm laying right there. He has no idea. All he knows is I'm freaking out and everything's going, and I'm like, don't leave me. Um, but then all of a sudden, I don't even remember now how it came, how it, how it came, how it happened. <laughs> but um, I was just, like, laying there, and I just, like, I just, and then I'm just laying there, and I'm thinking to myself, holy shit, I, like, I'm literally, I literally feel like I'm climaxing, like, and I'm feeling, like, in my brain, I'm, like, not touching myself, I'm not moving at all, mm-hmm. and I specifically didn't tell him, because I wanted to just, like, have that experience, and then tell him afterwards, and just, and it was crazy. Amazing. I know. Like, Amazing. the power, the power that is unleashed. We are the placebo. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, um, with that being said... Um, What's that time? We're at one sixteen, cool. and it's so fun because I had all these questions that we kind of did and didn't ask. That's fine. I'm just gonna leave them there. But, um, you know, there's so much to talk about with you. So maybe someday we'll have you on again, and Tyler will be here, and then we can have like a, a cool conversation. Yeah. But I do we'll have, have a three way because yeah. I know you're into those. Yeah. <laughs> now that's something to <laughs> refer to in the next podcast. Um, but. Um, Tyler and I like want to end all of ours with, um, you're actually going to be like our first guest. I didn't tell you that. This is so fun. Um, I'm honored. Yeah. Um, 
I think it's going to be cool. So I haven't confirmed with him, but a cool question that I think, because the podcast is called Journey Doses and it's about journeys, that doesn't have to always be about drugs, uh, just journey of life. So with that being said, like with journey however you want it to be, if, if you want it to be about life, if you want it to be about some sort of plant medicine or whatever comes to you, tell me about your favorite journey. Like, and it can, and whatever comes to mind, like some, some fun journey, maybe it's a travel experience, something that you want to share that is really fun. A past journey or a journey that I'm on? Whatever. It could be a, whatever comes to you. Something you're, you, yeah, it could be a journey you're on that you're really enjoying or something you've done before. Yeah. That's a great question. Mm-hmm. I, I really like that question because it's, it really is making me think of um, that narrative of my life and like what, you know, I think it, 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 it looks at the narrative, it looks at meaning, it looks at um, goals, um, desires, wants, um, Sex and you know, drugs. fears, yeah, exactly, everything. everything, the whole gamut. And kind of, I think, just a, um, a little, just pulling from the well of what we've been talking about that this is where I go. Like if you, if you want to have an hour long conversation with me, we're going to talk about, um, um, addiction. We're going to talk about honesty, curiosity, fear, pain, um, drugs, um, love, loss, um, balance, you know, yin yang. Like that's just like, that's just who I am. And I'm learning to accept that. And, um, I also think there's a big part of me that like really likes to like laugh and, not take things so seriously um i'm and i think that's kind of part of my journey is you know the journey that i'm looking forward to and i feel like i am on and always look toward is this self-actualizing journey how do i move through my day that i am the highest version of myself um but not necessarily the highest performing it's not about performance it's How do I connect with what's already there? How do I feel connected to the people around me, to myself, to my inner child, to my higher, you know, God or goddess, whatever you want to call it, um, and laugh and, and, and experience joy and freedom and happiness and, and also accept the suffering and accept the pain and learn and just not avoid or run away from all the shit mm-hmm. and that's a journey I'll be on my entire life I know that oh yeah lifelong I love that answer and um, I have to say that 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 is probably fundamentally why you and I have maintained our friendship because we definitely have one of those friendships that like, you know, as you just get more into your adulting life and relationships and just the flow of things, like we just don't see each other very often, but I don't need to talk to you regularly or see you regularly to consider you a great friend because, um, and for me, that's because I know like your heart and, and I know, um, that you're a good person and you, and that you have, um, a desire and a curiosity, like a curiosity for life, I'll say. And 
for me, I have that. And so I think I value that in others. And I think that it's hard. Like, I'm not going to say like people are curious in life, but I, but what I heard you saying is that like you are someone who's going to go deep, like conversation, like what we're having right now is easy for you to have. And I hear you saying that you're trying to accept that. And I think maybe what I hear is I try to accept that as well. Cause I'm also someone who like can easily go deep in conversations and I prefer that. And it's uncomfortable for a lot of people. A lot of people don't go deep for themselves. And so they really get lost in those conversations. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I just wanted to say that, like, I like what you're saying, and I think that's why we're great friends because we can we can both go deep. And um, and there was something else that I wanted to say. Ooh, and I, something else that you said you didn't use the word like I don't think you use like present moment, but you were talking about like your journey that you're on, but that a big part of it is like recognizing what's already here, and I love that and something that. I have been exposed to in my uh, healing journey is this idea of like because I always say I want to be the best version of myself you know like even like you said like you're reaching for your highest self however if we are always trying to be better than what we are right now then that could be insinuating that where we are at right now is not good enough Beautiful. and so if you are always trying to be better then you're Potentially, that's suggesting you're always not good enough. And do we really want to be living in a state where we're constantly feeling like as we are right now is not enough? Mm -hmm. So I feel like how you explain that was really beautiful because you also have this, you're saying, I like what I'm hearing you say is I want to always be better. I want to have this, increase this awareness of who I am and where I'm going and all these things. But part of that significant, important chunk of that is being aware of the present moment. What is already within me right now? Because part of what I want in the future is actually already here and it's just about being aware of that mm -hmm. um, wherever you go there you are yeah I like it cool well thank you so much for having this cool conversation yeah. and for some of the fun questions you asked me and stumped me on I wasn't ready for it but I like it <laughs> thanks for having me on yeah is there anything you want to leave us with anything like you know you want to tell people to read or do or just anything you want to say just Keep coming back. Cool. Keep coming back. The the healing is in the return. That's a quote by Sharon Salzberg. So when you feel like you're lost or off balance or off kilter, keep coming back. Keep trying. I love it. I'm not even going to say anything else. And with that, until next time, au revoir.